Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Um, We're going to be in James chapter 2 this evening. And before we we read that, I just want to give you a quick update of our ministry in Washington. I don't have any slides to show tonight, but everything is moving forward as planned. Uh, Like I mentioned the last couple days, we are in uncharted territory when it comes to this camp. God gave us this vision, actually gave Anna the vision back in um, February about, hey, let's start a camp. And that began the ball rolling in this adventure that we're on of starting this youth camp and God provided the funds to buy the property in which we're at now and um, we're learning as we go. Uh, We don't have any, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into and we don't know the next step of the journey. We're just following by faith and it's exciting to see God come through time after time after time um, which brings me to this thing we're going to talk about tonight and I want to send you off in this last message of the missions conference with a challenge for all of us, myself included, in regards to our faith. Um, God says he gave us a measure of faith, but what we do with that is really important. And I want to read a passage out of James chapter 2. We're going to read in verse 14, going down through uh, the end of the chapter. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give him none of those things which are needful to the body, what does does it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee thy faith by my works." Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And you see that how that by works a man is justified, not by faith alone. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You'll notice that three times in that passage, James mentions faith a certain way. He says, if you don't have works that go along with your faith, your faith is dead. And so I want to preach tonight on dead faith. Dead faith. We see that in verse 17 it says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. We see in verse 20, uh, 20, verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? 
And then the last verse, 26, but as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in and um, we'll try to get done on time tonight and challenge us to have a, a faith that is awakened and alive. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this weekend that we've been able to be a part of and it's been such a blessing to be uh, not just here, back at Liberty Baptist Church but around all of our um, extended family, my wife's family, and uh, just the outpouring of love and friendship in this church and the encouragement they've given to us to take that back to where we live in Washington and just continue the ministry where we are uh, with a renewed confidence, a renewed boldness, and a renewed excitement to see God's work going forward. I pray that you'll bless the message this evening. I pray that it will help each one here. And if there's someone here that's struggling with a decision for you, I pray that this message will be the the catalyst to push them forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever asked yourself this question, what is my purpose in life? I think we get to a certain age and we begin to question, and I hear it all the time. I hear it from family. I hear it from friends. We hear it uh, maybe from coworkers. What am I doing? What's the purpose of life? What's my next move? We change jobs. We change houses. We change states. And we try to figure out what we're supposed to do. We ask God what we're supposed to do and we're going through life trying to figure things out. I remember when I was five years old, I brought a, a uh, what do you call it, a prop? Probably should have gotten a quieter bag. Sorry about that. When I was five years old, this was my purpose right here. Right there. Does anybody recognize that guy? Masters of the universe, man. He-Man. This is He-Man. You probably can't see it out there. I should have had it on the screen. This, this is He-Man, man. He was, he was the most powerful man in the universe on TV, on cartoons at that time. And when I was five years old, my goal was to be a bodybuilder. And I just, and it, I was confident in that decision. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I would go into the grocery store and see the magazine rack right there and see all the buff guys that are on steroids, you know. And I would say, those guys are weak, man. I'm going to be better than those guys. I'm going to be twice as big. You know how a five-year-old thinks? They think they're like the, the man. And, and I just, I was in superhero frenzy at that point. I used to, my mom made me uh, pajamas of uh, the Incredible Hulk. And I used to wear a green wig, and I used to flex like the Incredible Hulk. And then I had this kick where I thought I was Superman and, and Mighty Mouse. You know, here I come to save the day, you know. And my mom made me these tights, which I would never wear today, these blue tights. And I had this pin on my chest, and it was the, the Superman logo. But if I wanted to be Mighty Mouse, I could take it off and put the ears on. And now I'm Mighty Mouse. And as a five-year-old boy, that was my purpose. I was going to be a bodybuilder and then fly around as Mighty Mouse. Um, but when I began to get older, my purpose and direction, we started to think about what we're going to do in life. And as an adult, we need to be serious about what does God want us to do in life? And we mature and we grow in the Lord and we, get to, we begin to seek true purpose. And sometimes life gets in the way. And I see a lot of people getting in a rut in their life, almost like this uh, day that repeats over and over and over again. We get up, we go to work, we come home, we're tired, we go to bed, and it's just this constant over and over and over again. And there's no purpose in life, no direction. And God doesn't want that for the child of God. He wants us to have a purpose, and he has a purpose for you. 
And he wants to fulfill that purpose in our life. And sometimes we forget that God's in control. He knows what our future is. He, he's Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, first and last. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 57, it says he's the, the Holy One that inhabits eternity. And that, that's a huge statement. That's a statement of great gravity. He inhabits eternity. Could you imagine eternity? It's, it, it's, it's not a time frame, it's a place, right? Eternity is a place, and I'm trying to like envision what eternity is like. And the, the best way I can think about it is if you had a huge canvas, a blank canvas that just goes in every direction that you can't, there's no ending, and there's a timeline right in the middle of that canvas. Have you seen a timeline in a book, like the timeline of the United States or whatever? You see the beginning, you see all the, the tick marks, and then you see where we're at now. Well, imagine a timeline on this canvas, and that's the realm of time that, in which we live right now from beginning to end, from where we are, Genesis 1-1, all the way through where we are now, and then all the future of time until God puts an end to it on this canvas. And then zoom out, and all you see is a blank canvas and then this realm of time. And the Bible says that God inhabits eternity. And he can see all of that at one time. He can see back there, he can see up there, he can see right now, because he inhabits eternity. He can see your future, and he knows where he wants to take you. That's why in the Bible, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. How does that make sense? Because he's looking at it. Oh, yeah, I'm right here. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm here. I'm everywhere. I'm on the canvas of eternity. And so when we're thinking about our life, we get, we get so tunnel vision on what we're doing right now, and we forget that. We need to zoom out and see where God, how he sees us. He sees everything. And so we need to realize that the plan he has for our life is something we need to seek with purpose. And once we do, our life is not going to be in a rut. Our life is going to be purpose-filled. And I found myself like that years ago, too, trying to chase the, the nice cars. And I'm not against nice cars. Have a one. I wish they all had Lamborghinis out here. And, and well, there is, actually. If you go on the street, they're all over the place. And, um, but, but, but all that. Um, but most people that I see is described this way. Not most in this room, but just people in general. No energy, right? Feel stuck in a rut. Stressed. Worried about the future. Fearful. That's not a place of great faith. That's a place of uh, weak faith or lack of purpose. But the opposite also is true. If you have strong faith that is fully alive, along with a strong purpose, your life will never be the same. You'll have a life that's fulfilled, a life that's going somewhere. Um, so don't allow yourself to settle for mediocrity. Don't allow yourself to settle for the status quo. Um, God didn't call us to settle. He called us to conquer. And not only that, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ. Not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. So why are we living our life that we're settling when we can be more than conquerors? And we need to do that in our life and have the faith that God will push us forward. So how do we, get, how do we awaken this dead faith? If you find yourself tonight that you have a faith that's dead, because you have faith in God, you believe God, you're trusting God, but the works aren't there. You're not doing the works. 
You're not pushing forward. God called you to do something, but you're not taking action. God wants your family to do something, but you're not taking action. That's dead faith. It's all up here. There's no action. Faith without works is dead. You have to have the works. And we preach about it for salvation purposes. Oh, we don't have a works religion. That's before salvation. We have a works religion after salvation. It is a works religion. We've got to have the works that go with the faith. So I want to give you three keys tonight in about 20 minutes how to awaken your dead faith. Three keys how to awaken your dead faith. And they're all just one word each. Very simple. Number one, action. Action is the first key to awaken your dead faith. Look at James chapter 2 again, verse 21. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Verse 22, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Have you ever thought about that statement, wrought with his works? What does the word wrought mean? W-R-O-U-G-H-T. Wrought with his works. I looked it up. It says it often refers to uh, metal being beaten into shape. Metal being beaten into shape or worked into shape. So if we use that definition, it says, Seest thou how faith beaten into shape by our works, with our works. And so as we do these works for Christ, our faith is being beaten into shape. It's being made alive. It's being awakened. So if you feel like you have a dead faith, the works that we do pushing ourselves forward for the purpose that God has for our life are going to form and shape our faith. And it's not about getting the mindset here first. It's about getting the mindset here first, and that will change. we got to do the works. we got to do the things God wants us to do. James is saying that faith is beaten into shape. Action is the first key to awaken the dead faith. Someone said, greatness is having the means to do something for God and the humility to take action. The truth is, we all have the means to do something for God. God has given all of us a measure of faith. It just needs to be made alive. James used Abraham as an example, so I want to look at him just real briefly, not a long time tonight, but I want to point out a couple of things about Abraham that he did in this uh, awakening of action that I think will help us. Turn, uh, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is the first uh, time that the Lord God Almighty approached Abraham and told him that he was going to be uh, blessed and he gave him this promise in Genesis chapter 12. Verse number one, we'll just read four verses. We can actually spend the whole time with Abraham, but we're not going to do that tonight. It says, now Abraham, I mean, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham asked God how all that was going to happen. Wait, but it's not what it says. It says, Abraham began to say, I can't leave now because there's too much to do where I'm at. 
No, he didn't say that either. He said, he said so Abraham departed. Abraham had never spoke to God before in his life up to this point. Abraham was living his life. I don't know why God chose Abraham. The Bible doesn't say why God chose Abraham, but he did. He approached him and he said, Abraham, I want you to literally change everything about your life right now. And Abraham says, okay, and he just did it. And that was a big deal back then. You don't just pick up and leave your family back then. That was before the tabernacle, before the temple, before any of that. And the family model was something you don't mess with. You don't mess with that father-priest model back in those days. And God says, I want you to leave your, your country. He says, I want you to leave your father's house. And I want you to change the direction of your whole life. Abraham didn't say anything. He just took action. So Abraham departed. He didn't even answer God. He just took action. So Abraham departed. Um, he didn't make excuse. He didn't try to figure things out. He took massive and immediate action. Taking action is the most difficult part of faith. Many of us have felt God calling us to do something uh, in our lives, but many of us have refused to take action for whatever reason. And I'm not saying that you need to stop what you're doing and go to China or go to Ecuador or go uh, to South Africa or go anywhere else. But there's a specific thing God may be calling you to do, a ministry he wants you to fulfill or a thing that he wants you to do and you haven't taken action. And I was in the same spot. I was, work, I was actually, I was called to the mission field at the time that I decided to go to the mission field, it was almost 30 years. I was 12 years old at a summer camp, and I dedicated my life that I would be a missionary. And it wasn't until 29 years later that I actually got to the mission field. And so that's a long period of time between committing and taking action. Obviously, there's some time there to grow up, and I couldn't leave at 12 years old, but there was still a lot of time that was wasted, a lot of time that wasn't taking action in what God wanted me to do. But it wasn't until 2016 where God started working on my life and I, I just felt like I had to do something more for God because there was less time ahead of me than there was behind. And I couldn't just stay here and work a job and try to figure things out. I had to do more and God called China on our heart. And I decided to make a declaration at that point and said, I'm just going to make a decision. I'm going to do it. And that's been like the motto since 2016 in our life. It's not figure things out and then do it. It's make a decision, then figure it out. Make a decision and then pray that God will help us. And we've been doing that ever since. And so far, it's working out for us. Um, and, we, and we were able to get to China. We were able to get a vehicle, thanks to Liberty Baptist Church. And we were able to get our apartment. We were able to get our business visa. We were able to work in the ministry there. And then God made us pivot big time again. And we came back because of COVID. It was outbreaking in China. And we were looking at our cell phones on the news. And it was like 2,500 cases, 5,000 cases, 10,000 cases. Like every day it was double. And we're in China. That's where it's breaking out. We're like, we got to do something. All the other missionaries were leaving, going back to America. And we sat at the table and we said, what are we going to do? And we decided to go back to America for a short period of time. Five weeks, we round trip tickets, Cafe Pacific. 
And we thought we weren't going to get out because our plane tickets were canceled three or four times. We're like, we got to get out of Vietnam. And um, we finally got out and we got back to the United States and then everything started shutting down. And our visas got shut down and the airplane tickets were canceled and now we didn't know what to do. And so it was a decision that we had to make. Are we just going to sit around and just hope for the best? Or are we going to take action? Are we going to do something that God wants us to do? We said, how can we, if we can't go back to China, how are we going to bring China to us? How can we work with them from here? And Anna says, why don't we start a camp? Let's do it. <laughs> and we just decided to start a camp. We, I think we had a total of like $20,000 in the bank, all in with everything. And this was February of last year. And then by, well, our, our property closed August 17th. So that was about six months. By that time, we had almost 200 grand in the bank for down payments. And God just provided the money miraculously to buy the property. And he's provided ever since. We just secured a tractor for our property. We've had four-wheel four uh, vehicles that we have to get around and do different work on the property. We have tools. We've had, um, we've had animals. We've done projects. We've put windows in. We've put uh, Liberty Baptist help us build bunk beds. We're having um, a local uh, construction company, uh, Interstate Concrete. If you're listening to this, Interstate Concrete, thank you for the concrete. Um, they're donating the concrete for a um, 400 square foot pad for a basketball court on our property inside one of our outbuildings. And um, one of our uh, friends was able to secure that. So God is just providing over and over and over again because we said yes, because we said we'll take action. And it's so exciting to see God do that, but it starts with stepping out. It's not like, okay, God, show me what to do and I'll do it. God says, no, do it and I'll show you what to do. And that's scary, but that's been the motto ever since the Old Testament. Walk in the Jordan and then I'll part the river, right? Um, get your feet wet first. And, and that's just God's motto. So how do we get ourselves to take action? How do we do that? How do we just get ourselves to take action? The hardest thing to do. The first thing we need to do is get clarity. Clarity is the first thing we need to do to get ourselves to take action. Isn't it hard to get yourself to do things you know you ought to do? We all know how to lose weight. The other day, I know how to lose weight. I, I, I know I have the apps on my phone. I have the gym in my house. But doing what I know to do is a hard thing to do. I actually had two donuts a couple days ago because there's no donut shop in the city I'm in, and I'm not driving an hour and a half to get a donut in my city, city, town, whatever. Um, our town has 1,700 people, 1700, and the next biggest one has 4,500 people, and then it's an hour and a half to the real city. And so um, I had two donuts in Irvine, or wherever it was, Rancho Santa Margarita, and I, it felt really good at the time, and then I'm like, oh, I gotta go to church, and I have to, like, feel horrible. Um, so we all know what we ought to do, but we don't, right? Um, so clarity is something that helps us in regards to faith and our purpose to know what we ought to do. Because if you ask people, hey, what's your purpose in life? What, what do you want in life? Most of us know what we don't want. Oh, I don't want to pay taxes. Oh, I don't like our, our regulations. I don't like these mandates. I don't like my job. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like the traffic. Oh, we don't know what we, we, we know what we don't like. But what do you want? What's your passion? What's your purpose in life? What's your direction for your family? What's your direction in life? 
Hmm, let me think about that. And we don't have clarity. Someone said clarity is power. Clarity gives us power to take action. So how do we get clarity? Prayer. Prayer gives clarity. I remember when we were praying to go to China, we were praying for all these things, how to get rid of my car and how to get rid of stuff. Uh, you don't realize how hard it is to get rid of stuff until you have to get rid of everything. Uh, it's like a yard sale on steroids, right? You have to get rid of everything. And it's difficult to do, but prayer, uh, during that time we had these seasons of prayer that we would do and God would bless. And I look back on these prayer lists and every single thing was checked off. And it's so exciting to see that. Um, identify your spiritual gifts. Uh, what are you passionate about? What is God leading you towards? Every one of us has uh, a talent or a gift that can be used for God. It can be construction. It can be medical. It can be teaching. It can be working with children. It can be uh, any of those things. You don't have to be um, a missionary in the traditional sense to do what God wants you to do. People often say, I'm not sure if God wants me to be in ministry or if he wants me to be in business. What should I do? I say, yes. You should be in ministry and business. Why can't you do both? I do both. My ministry is hybrid. I have a financial planning business, and I have an internet business, and I have a ministry. And they work hand in hand because one feeds the other, and the other one supports the other, and they work very good together. So when people say, well, how do you do business and ministry? You just figure it out. When we went to China, I had an office in Irvine on Sky Park Circle, and I had clients that came in, and I said, we need to change this model at the direction of my uh, father-in-law. He said, why don't you use your business for your missions and do a hybrid model? So I said, hmm, interesting. <laughs> and it took two years to figure it out, but I did it from China, and it worked. And I was able to serve and work, and everything worked together. So it's not either or, it's both. You could do both. And, and one of my missions, just not part of the message, but one of my miss missions is, is to figure out how, how to get believers to find a way to make money on the side, a side hustle, something online, something so that they can fulfill their life purpose, not have money as the, the thing that holds them back. Money should never hold you back from what God has for your life. Um, that'll be the most thing, the number one thing that holds you back. So next, I gotta, I gotta hurry. We're not gonna finish tonight, but that's okay. Um, in regards to action, how do we get ourselves to take action? <clears throat> Avoid the tyranny of how. Avoid the tyranny of how. Everyone gets stuck on the how. What is that? If you require all the answers to how your purpose is going to be accomplished, you will never fulfill your purpose. In 2016, I declared we were going to China. I had no clue how it was going to happen. I just knew we had to keep moving forward. I didn't know how we were going to raise money. We ended up doing the hybrid model. I started on deputation. It didn't work for me, <laughs> okay? Long story. It just didn't work for me. It wasn't my thing. Uh, sorry for everyone who is, it is, but it wasn't mine. And, um, and so we had to do it a different way. But if I had to figure that out, I would have never gone. How do we deal with insurance? How do we deal with healthcare? How are we going to get our visa? How are we going to get rid of our stuff? How are we going to navigate a mission board? How are we going to learn Chinese? Where are we going to live? How are we going to keep our family safe? How are we going to uh, avoid getting kicked out of China? How are we going to figure all this stuff out? And if we just try to figure all that stuff out, we're never going to move. And so it's the tyranny of how. Hedge makers, 
We come back, we have 20 grand, all our stuff's in China. We're, we're eating off the floor in our rented house because we have no furniture. And we're thinking, what are we going to do? Let's start a camp. How are we going to start a camp? We don't have a table. <laughs> you know? But we said, who cares? God will figure it out. Now I drive a tractor. Who, who would guess I'd drive a tractor? It's insane. How are we going to buy a camp? Where are we going to go? What kind of pro- how are we going to afford it? How are we going to get volunteers? How are we going to raise money? How are we going to maintain the place? How are we going to communicate with the donors? How are we going to um, get people from China? What about insurance? What about transportation? It's like, okay, stop. God knows all that. Remember the canvas? He sees all those things. He knows how the kids are going to get here from China. He knows how they're going to get to our place from Spokane Airport. I don't have to worry about that. I just have to keep moving forward. And so in regards to dead faith, let's just wrap it up here. Let's get rid of the excuses. Let's get rid of the things that are holding us back. Let's get rid of the fact that money is an obstacle. Let's get rid of the fact that, oh, my kids have to finish school is an obstacle. Your kids will adjust. You take your kids somewhere else, they'll adjust. Our kids did. We take them all over the place. They adjust real quick. And and they're awesome. A pain sometimes, but they're awesome. Avoid the tyranny of how. Get clarity of what God wants you to do. And I'll tell you, if you do those things and you begin doing what God wants you to do, the fulfillment factor is far more than owning the, red, the blue BMW with red interior that I used to have, okay? And that'd be cool to drive it again, you know? But it wouldn't go good on the dirt road I live on. It would bottom out and it would be bad news. Everyone would laugh at me. <clears throat> so um, I just want to encourage you with that tonight. Don't have dead faith. Have a faith that's awakened, that's alive, and it gets you up every day and says, I have a purpose in life and this is what God wants me to do because we only have a finite time. Once that time's over, that's it. And if something goes bad, what's the worst that can happen? I always, we always talk about that. We get stressed out about stuff. Oh, how are we going to do this? And we, we start doing the tyranny of how ourselves in our pity party time. You have pity party time? We do. And we say, oh, how am I gonna, what's going to happen if we can't do this and that? What's the worst that can happen? Like, really, what's the worst that can happen? We lose a house. All right, get an apartment. Live with somebody. You know, have a tent. Um, walk. I mean, what's the worst? You die. Okay, that's not bad, right? We're up there. So don't, think, don't be so serious about life. Just trust God and he'll take you through it. All right? So I, I encourage you with that. Don't have dead faith. Have faith that's awakened. And I, I pray that that'll be an encouragement and a challenge to you as you go throughout your day and deal with all the stuff you deal with. Because I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. And you deal with a lot. But if you'll do what I say and do what the Bible says, and and James said it three times because he meant it for us to read and do. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.